and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is someone who not, who not only knew the law, but he lived the law. He followed the law to the T. He says it in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul is someone who lived this out and is now saying, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live. Who I was no longer exists. My passion for the law, my extreme zeal for the traditions of my fathers, no longer exists. That person has been crucified with Christ. That person is no longer living. And now who is alive is Christ in me. So when he says this, when he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, it carries weight. It is someone who has been living according to the law. And not, and not just striving in the law, but someone who was successful in living in the law. In other scriptures, Paul basically says, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. If anybody can have confidence in how they were living in the law, it's me. And that's what Paul is coming from when he says, I have died. My entire life and my entire being is now Christ. If we look at the rest of verse 20, he says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. He's living by faith now, not living by the law. Living by faith, not living striving to be justified by the law. And this effort, this zeal that Paul had for the law was his way of loving God. He thought he was loving God by persecuting the church. He thought he was loving God by protecting God's law. He thought that he was loving God, making sure no one was worshiping this blaspheming man saying that he was God. But you know what set him free from that? If we look at the rest of that verse 20, the life I now live in, in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He was set free from the law by the realization and understanding of God's love for him. And to any of us in this room, you want to be set free from the never-ending striving of, and trying to be in God's good graces, of trying to be on God's good side. Place all your effort and passion into knowing how much God loves you. Don't set your heart on being good for God, but instead set your heart 
on knowing how much God loves you. And I know maybe this sounds a little bit elementary. It's like, oh, okay, you're just going to preach a message that says God loves you. But it's, it's the truth. And this carries weight and freedom for you today, knowing that God loves you right now. God loves you as you are. God loves you. And I also know that that may feel selfish and arrogant to say, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. But it's selfish and arrogant to believe that God loves you because of you. Like you've earned his love. Like you've behaved so well. Yeah, that one I love. That one, that one had a tough week. That one didn't even finish the chapter. I don't know about that one. I don't love that one so much. But it's humbling and freeing when you believe that God loves you in spite of you. That God's love for you is not based on your behavior. So it's not, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. But rather, God loves me? He loves me? With my shortcomings, my fickle heart that is so easily distracted, finding myself in hypocrisy. God loves me? And I love how personal this is. Paul is saying, He loved me and gave himself for me. He's not speaking vaguely. God loves the church. Yes, he does. God loves his people. Yes, he does. But he's saying that I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Paul is saying me, he's talking about the Paul who has since been, been crucified and the Paul who is now living in Christ. And verse 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God. So knowing all of this, knowing that it is not by how, not by how well Paul followed the law that that. That, that he is granted God's love. But it, it is instead by his grace that he is loved by God. And knowing all of this in verse 21, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. His, this grace that God has poured out over us is not something to be set aside. It's not, a, it's not a nice thought, not a nice idea that, that, that we say to each other to make each other feel better. But it is everything. It is everything for us. Because without the grace of God, where would we be? Without the grace of God in your life, where would you be? You would not be here. You would not be justified. You would not be righteous before God. It is only because of his grace that I am saved. And if I could do it by the law, and again, Paul did it, living according to the law, 
So he knows firsthand that you can't. Then that means Christ died for nothing. The whole reason why Jesus died was that we would be set free from the chains of the law. Jesus' death and resurrection fulfilled the law. Now the law is not what saves us, but now we are empowered to live the law. And, and there's some clarification there. The law doesn't go away. The law is fulfilled, Jesus says. I have fulfilled the law. So now you are free to live this out. So if we're running to the law saying we need to do this so that we can be saved, then Christ died for nothing. And if there's any bit inside of you that believes I have to be a good person to be saved, I have to do good things to get into heaven, if that is how you're viewing your relationship with Christ, then Paul is making the argument to that idea, to that way of thinking, then Christ died for nothing. Our good behavior does not grant us favor with God. Jesus' death and resurrection grants us a blessing and life. And if, again, if this is the kind of thinking that we are approaching God with, look at what Paul says. Chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And here, when Paul is saying, you foolish Galatians, he's not talking about like, I don't know, like, like, some, like some person who doesn't get it. This use of the word foolish is someone who knows better. Not like a fool who's ignorant to the gospel and just acting a fool, but someone who knows better. better. Someone who can think but refuses to use their powers of perception. Someone who actually knows the truth, and he's saying, you foolish Galatians, you know better. You know better than to think that, specifically he's talking about circumcision, that circumcision makes you right with God. You know better than to think that the law is what makes you righteous and justified before God. You know better. And here, verse 2, it's funny to me because you can just feel and hear the sarcasm in his voice. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Did you behave your way into salvation? Did you work your way into good graces with God? The answer is obviously no, and Paul knows this. What did they hear that they believed in? Christ crucified, the resurrection of Christ, the fulfillment of the law through Jesus. And I want to ask you today, I want to I remind you, who were you when you encountered Christ? Were you worthy of that meeting? Did you fulfill the prerequisites before being in his presence? When he came to you and said, you know what? I want you. Did you do anything worthy of his presence? Or were you at the end of yourself? Or like myself, lost 
without vision or purpose for my life. Broken. Hurting. Did Christ find you that way? If Christ loved you that way, of course he loves you now in his righteousness. If, if, if Christ came to you in that way, he stays with you and, he, and, and his love for you is because of the cross. It's because of the cross that, that enables Christ to come to you in the condition that you were before Christ. And it's because of the cross that Christ stays with you in who you are now. And maybe some of us feel this way right now with a relationship with Christ. Maybe some of us feel this way. We have a relationship with Christ, but we feel distant because we're not doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. And look how Paul speaks to this in verse 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? The Holy Spirit saves you and keeps you. There's nothing that you can do to keep yourself. Paul is pointing only to faith in Jesus. Not the works of the law. But faith in Jesus have you experienced so much in vain, verse 4, if it really was in vain? Verse 5, so I ask again, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing or by your believing what you heard? Is God with you because of you or is God with you because of what he's done? Did you work your way into good standing with God? And verse 5 is interesting because it's from God's perspective. How is God giving to you and working miracles in and around you? Is it because of our human effort? No. Is it because of some special thing we did? No, absolutely not. It's because of the spirit that he has given you. It's because of this gift of salvation that he has given you. Is he working miracles in and around you? Because we did really well in following the law this week. No. It is your faith that saves you. It is your faith that makes you righteous. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? And it's always been about faith. It's always been about faith. Consider Abraham. Because he believed in what God said. God told Abraham, I'm going to make, we all know it, I'm going to make your, your descendants like the stars. And Abraham was like, okay. And the father looked at Abraham and says that that is credited to you as righteousness. Not because of action, but because of his faith. So how do you know you are saved? 
Jamil, how do you know you are saved? I have faith that I am saved. I have faith in what Jesus has done at the cross. I have faith that the blood is enough to cover my past sin and every sin that I will commit. I have faith that Jesus defeated sin and death at the cross once and for all. My sin never having to be brought up again. So I feel the Lord saying this to us today. So come alive, come alive, my child. Walk in your newfound freedom. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the authority that I have given you in the name of Jesus. Walk in the grace and power that has been poured out and is being poured out over you and in you. Walk in your newfound identity. The old is gone and the new is here. It's all about faith and it will always be about faith. It's God's saving grace in your life that has saved, that has saved you. It's God's saving grace in your life that has saved you. Nothing else. You are not a part of the equation. You just receive. This is our posture. God, I can't do it on my own. I receive from you. I have no strength. I receive from you. I'm weak, Lord God. I receive from you. I can't. I can't, Lord. I need you. That is, that is the good news of the gospel. That he has saved you in spite of you. And he saved you simply because he loves you. Simply because he wants you. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants all of you. That's the good news of the gospel. So maybe you're feeling weak today. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough today. The good news is that God's hand is over your life and in your life right now. And that's exactly when you need it. Not because of your strength, not because of your power, not because of your might, but because of the might of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Because of the power of the cross. He has saved you and He has made you new. For His glory. And we stand here and we say, Lord Jesus, thank you. What else can you say? What else can you say to the Father but thank you? When you're stuck and striving for God's goodness and grace, you're stuck thinking about yourself. I'm not good enough. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Later on in Galatians, he calls the law a curse. If you're living by the law, it's a curse. It's a weight upon you. Jesus says that his burden is easy, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And I'm here to remind you today, church, that there is rest in Jesus simply because he loves you. There's, there's an interesting verse in the middle of all of this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, for if the inheritance depends on the law, and here specifically, he's talking about the inheritance of Jesus through Abraham, the promise. For, for if the inheritance depends on the law, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. And, and, and that just so stood out to me. If the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. And I want you to look at something here. 
gaining something through the law versus gaining something through the promise. Think about this. There is an inheritance with my name on it. You know, my dad's over here. He's probably secretly a millionaire. I'm just waiting for my inheritance. Has my name on it. And there's a law that says if you do this, 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 and this, then it's yours. If I work for it, then I can guarantee the results. There's no guesswork. Just give me the steps to follow. I will do them. And I'll get that million dollars from my dad. I get the inheritance. Nothing is needed. Just me. I can do it. When things are by the law, I'm in control. But when it's dependent on a promise, I have to trust. A promise is based on relationship. A promise is dependent on the one who made the promise. I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this here before, but Pastor and I, when we were shopping for the van, um, there was this van that we were looking at, and there was this, there was this car salesman. <laughs> Pastor already knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and he was just one of those guys that would tell you anything to get you to just to get the sale and you can tell he was just talking a lot in the middle of our of us test driving he he had a phone call uh and he and he was not only a car salesman but he was a realtor and he owned uh, a lot uh, a landscaping business <laughs> this guy did it all this guy knew exactly what to say and there was there were some concerns that pastor had that he noticed about it and he was like yeah, yeah yeah don't worry we'll bring it back into the mechanic and and we'll handle all of all all of that stuff it's long story short the 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 guy with the power with the authority uh we went to him and the guy was like yeah this is wrong this is wrong, da, 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 all of all, all of our concerns and the guy's like absolutely not we're not going to do that <laughs> we're not going to do any of those things it was just the definite and god bless this guy i don't mean to be you know he's He's hustling out there. But he, uh, it, it was just, you, you just got a sense that you couldn't trust this guy no matter what he promised you. But when God says that I promise you peace, I promise you salvation just because of your faith and what I've done at, at, at the cross, we can trust his promise. We can trust the one who has given us the promise. But in order to trust the one who has given us the promise, we have to have relationship with the one who has given us the promise. And that's, and that's, that's, that's why the law can't work. That's why the law and the promise are opposite of each other. Because with, just through the law, I don't need God. I just have to follow these steps. But with the promise, I have to build relationship in order to trust him for the promise speaking of speaking of abraham his belief in the promise reflected what he thought and believed about god himself he believed that god is trustworthy that god is good and that he does not sin that he's faithful and he believed that god is exactly who he says he is and all of this reminds me of this scripture in matthew chapter 19 
just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus replies, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. The young man says, Which ones? He he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. The man's like, Got that one. You shall not commit adultery. Easy. You shall not steal. Never did it in my life. Won't do it. You shall not give false test, test testimony. Got it. Honor your father and mother. I love my mother and father. Love your neighbor as yourself. My neighbor's a great guy. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus gave him a list. He went down the list and was like, check, check, check. I got it. Jesus answered it, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And we all know what happens. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Here is an invitation for a relationship, and the young man didn't want all of that. The young man wanted a a list of things that he could do, that he could get done himself. And Jesus is pointing beyond the list, beyond the things that you can do yourself. And he says, come, follow me. The young man wanted to hear, okay, you're good. You, you did all that, you're good. You, you have eternal life. You can go on now. And while, yes, this is a story about possessions and holding on to material things and forfeiting things, for uh, in for forfeiting things so that we can receive things of the Spirit. But in rejecting giving up his possessions, he actually rejected relationship. And that's the end goal. Relationships. Not even the treasures that you receive in heaven, but rather Jesus is the treasure. And I wonder if any of us in this room have a hindered relationship with God because we only want a transactional relationship with him. I do this, then God, you do this. I pay my tithe, then you bless me. I feed the homeless, then you bless me. I go to church, I go to the Bible study, then you bless me. God, that's not how relationship with God works. And honestly, that's not how any healthy relationship should work. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's just not how relationships work. <clears throat> Confidence in your salvation should not be based on how well you behave, but rather how well you know God and your relationship in, w- w- with Him. Now, I anticipate some thinking here because we, we've talked about a lot of God loves me, God loves me, God loves me no matter what, and uh, <clears throat> t- t- to be clear, you, you can't just live however you like and be saved. You can't just, yeah, I'm good. God knows me. We're good. Uh, that's, that, that's not how the relationship works. But if you place all of your effort in knowing God, then your behavior will follow suit. There is a relationship. That's what James talks about. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. 
But if you are placing all of your effort in knowing who God is, then your behavior will follow suit. Look at look at First uh, John chapter three verse six. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. So our issues in continuing on in sin is not a behavioral thing. It's a heart thing. It's a knowing God thing. That the more that I know God, the less that I will continue in, in my sin. And like this young man, he was looking for actionable steps to secure his place in eternity. While God is requiring relationship, the more you know him, the more your heart changes. The more you focus on this miracle that God loves you, the more your heart is drawn towards him. The more that you lean on his strength, the more that your eyes are kept off of yourself and your behavior and on his grace, which empowers you, which empowers you to live how he is calling you to live. Your faith in Jesus and what he has done on the cross is everything. It is not your good behavior. Let's stand up together. Oh, Father, how precious is your presence today. How precious are you, Holy Spirit, with us. How precious, Lord Jesus, that we get to be here together with you. How precious is your word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken something inside of us, Lord. That you would convict and change any parts of our hearts that say, I have to work for your love. I have to work for your favor. I have to work for your blessing. That you would convict and change any part of us that believes that we have something to do with our salvation. That it is because of us that you have chosen us. That we have qualified ourselves, Lord Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you change that in us, Lord. God, that we would be encouraged that we are not part of the equation. The only equation is what you have done at the cross, Jesus. God, we believe the promise. We believe you today, Lord God, when you say, I promise you that my blood is enough. I promise you that my death and resurrection at the cross is enough. We believe you today when you tell us, I promise you that my grace is enough. I promise you that in your weakness, I am your strength. We believe you today, Lord God. That when you say, I promise you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We believe you today, Lord God. We believe the promise of your word, the promise of your heart, Lord Jesus.
the promise of the cross, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that that, that, that challenges us, encourages us, and convicts us this morning, Lord. We love you, Father. Thank you. Just wanna be with you. Just wanna be with you. King of glory, fill this place. Oh, we just wanna be with you. I just wanna be with you. 
loving me not because, but loving me in spite of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord bless you. Ready to go, you can consider yourself.